peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast, bringing you a pretty good show today. I'm sitting here with Casey Parlett, and I say that correctly? Correct. I've known Casey for quite a while as well. Um, But today's going to be a little bit different show in terms of health and fitness, I guess we can say, or health and wellness. Casey has a really interesting background in terms of like when he opened his gym, which is CrossFit 760 here in the SoCal area of Carlsbad Oceanside. And he transitioned from opening this gym to becoming a a professional Muay Thai fighter. And he was probably doing that previously. He's going to talk more about that. But something that, you know, me and Casey have really just kind of come back together and started hanging out, talking, and really just picking each other's brains. And I'm even he's even helping me out with some strength work and, and some extra things. We're just testing some things out. Really cool. Love, enjoy being a part of his community and like what he's doing. Um, and something that, you know, one thing that I've learned with Casey is is we're, he's very open to learning. Um, has, has been a really cool thing. And I'm pretty sure that's not where he's been in the past and where he is today. Um, but for instance, you know, I walked into the gym getting ready to record the podcast with him today and he was just finishing up one of his classes and he, he threw out like, I guarantee you if you stop drinking every week and you would see a better return of an investment. And the, the, the answer back to that was I don't drink every day. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because it's like, well, that, that's, that's, that's true. You might not drink every day, but just that small percentage does have an effect on the system to an extent. And again, we're not sitting here trying to tell you like, don't go and drink or don't do whatever. It's just, that is just where Casey's mindset comes from. He's been that individual in this space of the CrossFit community of always really, you know, believing that we need to take care of our bodies, that we, we shouldn't be poisoning it all the time. And he's a prime example of that. He'll, he'll go ahead and talk about that today on the show. So first off, Casey, thanks for jumping on the show, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me excited to be on this side of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. We just got done doing a podcast on his, which he is the host of him and his uh, wife are the host and co-host of Stick to the Program podcast, yep, yep. and I actually did a show with him just recently and Keegan. So if you guys just listened to the previous podcast on micro change leads to consistency, um, and then we also had a really good conversation on his podcast. So again, we'll go and put that in the show notes and everything else like that. Awesome. Um, yeah, thank you for letting <laughs> me um, sit here and be on this side of it. And uh, I think kind of one of the the conversations that we just kind of got into and kind of stemmed from the no alcohol uh, piece right there. And yeah, like, yeah, anybody that does know me knows that I don't drink at all. Um, and I don't necessarily care if my clients drink, but part of what I like to do is educate people. And if they don't understand like what drinking alcohol is really doing to their health long-term and even short-term as far as what their recovery is, Um, it's my job to let them know. And I'm not afraid to have some of the uncomfortable conversations that a lot of people tend to want to avoid, I guess. That's, that's the truth, right? I actually had that conversation today with a guy and he was like, you know, what's the difference in the terms of like coaching an individual and coaching a group? And I was like, realistically, there's similarities in terms of educating them, right? And not being afraid of telling someone like, Hey, you drinking like that's going to mess up and not help with recovery. And you're going to see... A, B, C, and D happen. And that led us into talking about sleep too, right? We ended up talking about sleep and some of the simple aspects in that. So it's really good to hear someone else in that same mindset to be okay with what they're pushing. And if that individual doesn't like it, then that's on you and you can go moving forward. That doesn't take any stress off me. It just means that I gave you a nugget. If you don't want to take it, then go ahead. I'm going to make sure I pass it to someone else who wants that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the pieces that whether you're coaching CrossFit or coaching fitness or even coaching sports at any level, if you're not, if you're not comfortable as a coach speaking your mind and like really having that strong belief system and confidence in what it is that you know, when you go to talk to people about it, you are doing them a disservice and like at best, like you're just uneducated and spewing a bunch of stuff that you don't even really know about. Um, and at worst, you're just a liar. Um, (laughs) And that's either either way, you're not doing your athletes or your clients any favors or even yourself. And it's like one of those pieces where if I know 
what alcohol does to somebody. And I have these clients that want to get stronger. They want to lose weight. They want to get more fit in general. They want to improve their health long term. And I just keep my mouth shut. Like, why, why are they paying me? Like, why, why am I here? Like, what is, what is my point? Like, am I really serving them the best way that I can? Yeah, definitely. Well, let's go ahead since we're on that topic. Let's go ahead and just dive into your background. Um, you know, you've been doing this for over 10 plus years. Yeah. So, um, as far as just kind of quick rundown, I've been in a gym consistently working out myself since I was 15. Um, I refound martial arts just out of high school and then kind of took off from there and started training just to train and ended up getting offered a fight and one fight led to two and two led to 10. And by the time I had lost a fight, um, it was kind of just what I did at that point. And, um, through me starting fighting, uh, I had coached wakeboarding at 17. I started coaching and coached wakeboarding. And then I slowly started coaching martial arts and coaching kind of, conditioning classes through the martial arts stuff that I was doing and made a decision at one point that I needed to go to school and get an education um, and went through, got my school done and started as a personal trainer at LA Fitness. Nice. Um, I was like 21 or 22 at that point and got a ton of great experience and everybody kind of laughs about it and they just like look at me and think LA fitness and doesn't really match up but it was probably one of the best things that I could have done um, as far as learning and learning to work with all sorts of different people and kind of started to put me in a place where I could experiment and kind of get my feet wet I guess um, so while I was at LA fitness I was fighting I had actually just lost my First fight, um, got knocked out in front of a whole bunch of people. That's a whole different story. Um, but after the fight, I was frustrated and I was like, okay, well, what can I do to be a better fighter? And my first thing was like, okay, well, I need to be stronger. I need to improve my conditioning. I had known about CrossFit. I was doing CrossFit-ish stuff. Um, and there just happened to be a CrossFit gym right down across from the fight gym that I was training out of. And I walked in there one day and... Uh, Basically, I got told come in and work out and I went in there with an attitude and they basically kicked my ass for a week and I was like, this is great. This feels just like a fight. And that's kind of how I got involved in CrossFit. Uh, and I was using CrossFit for no other reason than to be the best fighter that I could be. And through that process, I slowly kind of got more involved and started coaching CrossFit classes just as a side gig to make some extra money. And at one point through my fight career, I had an opportunity to open a gym and ended up opening a gym in 2010 with my brother. And we're going to be nine years um, in June. So in a couple of weeks, it'll be our nine year anniversary. And kind of through that process, I was still fighting, competed and dabbled, competing in CrossFit a little bit, but fighting was always my passion. And once I had an opportunity where the gym was kind of back on board, I think I had one fight right when we opened and I had another one and it was just really tough to train like I wanted to and, and get the gym going the way that it needed to. So I had about a year and a half off um, and kind of dabbled, competed at regionals a couple of years for CrossFit when they were still doing that. And ended up back fighting full time. Um, and at that time, my role at the gym kind of went more into a management piece. So I was in the gym less and more on the computer, um, which I hated. <laughs> Co coaching is a much more fun thing. Um, but I kind of took my fight career and I fought all the way until I was 32, almost 33. I retired right before my 33rd birthday and um, had tons of ups and downs through it and learned a ton. And um, that experience of being an athlete and kind of knowing what it took to get there physically, mentally, um, and my martial arts background in general coaches that I've had over the years is what really kind of shaped the direction that my life has went and kind of given me the opportunities that I've had. Yeah. And the cool thing though, is the fact that you, like, you were early on in your fighting career, you were seeking out strength and conditioning. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, very so even when I first started before I was even fighting and I was just training martial arts um, I had always lifted um, a 15 like typical bodybuilder like um, buys and tries back and shoulders like push pull that whole deal like go in and do my three sets of 10 and move on to the next exercise <laughs> go drink some water between um, so I was doing all that and 
as I started training martial arts, I straight started training in Jeet Kune Do, which is uh, Bruce Lee's philosophy okay. and kind of the martial art that he kind of brought to everybody else. And Bruce Lee was known for his crazy fitness regimen and all the different stuff that he did. And that was kind of my very first start in like training for something specifically. So he had what ended up getting called like the 20 minute workout. And yeah. it was, um, I don't even know. It was like some clean and presses, squats, like all your basic big compound movements with a couple accessory movements kind of put in together. But it was a whole bunch of reps done in a 20 minute period. So you had to have your conditioning with short rest periods in between. And that was my first start on, okay, I'm going to train specifically for this, for what I'm doing to be better at what is in front of me every day for what I care to be good at. And that kind of lent itself all the way through my fight career and then kind of in through anything else that I've done since then. Yeah. Well, and the reason why I bring that up is because of the fact that like we're in a place right now in, in, in the industry of fitness that everyone wants to utilize CrossFit as their main source of strength and conditioning to help them in their sport. And the shift that you made was like, no, I need to become a professional fighter that yes, CrossFit, provides me health and wellness because it does like if you go ahead and utilize it the right way and you have the right coach and you're under the right circumstances it does give you that to you compared to the the competitive side that we do see um and and, and we're not trying to talk about crossfit but the idea behind it all was the fact that you were able to make this switch from you know starting out at the age of 15 and just working out for fun and doing these things because that's what you were showed to now becoming this pro fighter and looking at like Bruce Lee and those guys and seeing what they're offering and seeing how they approach. And now it led you to, you know, well, I need to do those exact same things or something similar to allow for me to be successful in my sport. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think most people probably don't realize this, but the amount of time that I spent doing like actual like CrossFit workouts like is very small. Um, the first couple months, it gave me a great foundation and a great base to understand um, the gym that I was at. I believe followed CrossFit.com. Okay, um, and I had a pretty good understanding, but it became real apparent real fast that. If I was getting on the pull-up bar and doing 150 pull-ups, that my hands were going to tear and I couldn't put a glove on, I couldn't grapple. So I started to learn real quick, okay, like this works and the idea works, but what is specific to fighting? Like, okay, my rounds are three minutes on, one minute off, or five minutes on, one minute off. And then I did fight gone bad. I got introduced to that. I'm like, okay, like this makes sense. Like push, pull, upper body, lower body back and forth, high pace with that quick rest. You can kind of have that interval. And most of my workouts started to look very, very similar. And fighting is a very monotonous sport where we're doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I thrive on that. I like the idea of doing the same thing. And then the CrossFit piece of having that measurable side, right? And it's CrossFit has people look at CrossFit like it's this magical thing and it, I love CrossFit for what it is, but they're not doing anything new. Like if you look back at Bruce Lee's old books, like he was doing things where he was talking about keeping, keeping track of your reps or your time. So you could go back and compare. And that's kind of where it all started to make sense to me. So my workouts when I was fighting were like, okay, why am I going to do a 30 minute conditioning workout with a bunch of heavy deadlifts when that's not even going to resemble the pace. Like it was great for my general conditioning and to build a foundation, but I have a fight in six weeks. So I'm going to do three minutes on one minute off. So it could have been a workout where it was set up like 60 seconds of this, 60 seconds of this, 60 seconds of that. And then 60 second recovery period, typically lighter weights, high heart rate, things that we're going to feel really similar to a fight. So like one of the workouts, so just to give people that are listening an idea, if people that don't do CrossFit, that don't, don't have any idea. One of the workouts that I came up with that I repeated over and over and over again to get ready for so many fights is I would do, I would set a clock and it would be uh, 45 second intervals and I would do 45 seconds on the rower. I would do 45 seconds of a light bench press. Um, and then I would do 45 seconds of power snatches light. I think it was at like 55 or 65 pounds. So really light. And then 45 seconds of burpees. 
and then I would rest and I would do three rounds of that at the beginning of training camp. And by the end of the training camp, I would be doing six rounds of it Yeah, and keeping track of my scores and my reps. And I'd see that comparison every week. And I would know by the time I was getting ready for my fight, like, am I actually ready? Well, this is what my score was at the beginning. And this is what my score is now. Okay, cool. Like I have something to compare to. Yeah. And that, that was something that really worked well for me as far as getting ready and taking something that, can be used as like a well-rounded fitness program to make it sports specific. And the movements that I was doing pull would be a lot of like your grappling type stuff. The bench press is your kind of punches or your push version. Um, The snatch is kind of full body uh, push pull kind of overhead combination, like different stuff. And like, if, if you look at the movements and the way they lay out and the way that they feel, it feels like a fight. And it was all about training the energy systems that were specific to my sport. And if I was fighting a Muay Thai fight versus an MMA fight, it would look slightly different. And my yeah. training would like look slightly different comparatively. But the energy systems is what I was really after. Yeah, I really love that, dude. The fact that the key word there is going to be measurable. And the other one that we talk a lot about is transferability, right? Like we go ahead and utilize, okay, cool, I'm going to spike my heart rate. I'm going to go to build fatigue and then I'm going to go into f- some light dumbbells probably to, pr- to produce obviously force and generation of that. That's going to transfer over to me punching because if my heart rate is spiked through the roof, I can now still produce the same amount of power because I've had some kind of transferability from that aspect. And, and that is huge, right? Like that's the mark that I think a lot of people miss, especially in the tactical athlete world, right? We talked about that before too. You train a lot of guys in here also. And when they do come in, you understand their job and you understand what they need to be doing and you take care of that. Like this is what you need to be doing. This is how we approach it. And I think a lot of people miss that mark in terms of like, well, if you're a firefighter right now, should you be training CrossFit or be training this type of regiment or the buys and tries like, how does that transfer over into your job to, one, provide the, uh, you know, provide the ability to stay alive when put in a situation? Second, provide the quality of life that you need, not just performing your job, but also living your job outside, also, or living your life outside of your job? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a coach, right, our, our job is to essentially give people I don't want to say what they want, but what they need. Yeah. Right. If I gave everybody what they want, like it would be a shit show every day, <laughs> but to give people what they need for their life. And I think one of the buzzwords around the fitness community is functional. Like every, everything can be functional, right? But functional for me is going to be much different than functional for you. And yeah. functional for you is going to be different than somebody else. So let's take the firefighter, for example, it is very functional for a firefighter to be working out once a week in full turnouts, maybe even on oxygen, right? Like that's something that they experience regularly. So why not train under those circumstances? Now, do I have my 40-year-old stay-at-home mom do that? Like, no. Like, should she do it once in her life to experience it? Yeah, like maybe, most likely not necessary. So when we kind of go back to like, what is, what is that athlete need and what does the training look like? Everybody needs a foundation. Like yep. if you come in and you want to train with me and you can't air squat and you can't do a push up, like I'm not really concerned about training you specifically for anything. Like I have to build you a foundation. So once we get to the specific stuff, like you have something to work off to, of. to work off of there. Yeah. And that is probably one of the biggest mistakes that coaches in general, but especially new coaches make. They're like, oh, you're a baseball player. There's a lot of rotational stuff. So I don't care. I don't even check your squat. Like, I want to see how hard you can hit the tire with a sledgehammer. And like, on the surface, it looks like a good idea, but like, <laughs> what are you, what are you really doing with that? Like, do you even have any idea like what that movement is actually going to do? And as a coach, like my job is not to make the firefighter a better firefighter necessarily as far as firefighter specific things or the soldier, a better shooter. I'm giving them the tools to be able to be a better firefighter under duress, to be able to 
sustain the skills that they need for a longer period of time or to be able to sustain the skills that they need under a high heart rate, under those stressful environments. Yeah, it's it's that in the military, we used to do cohesion drills all the time. And that's pretty much what it is, right? Like, hey, remember we should be on the range and it's like, all right, you're going to go ahead and do 15 burpees in full kit, sprint down to the target to come back, grab your weapon at the 50-yard mark, two shots in, in, in the chest, then you're going to move to the next, the next like, cover, takes two shots there, go back and do it again, and then we would get graded on that, right? The grade sometime would be either how well our accuracy was or how fast we did it, and most of the time it was both together. <laughs> yeah, and I, so and I think, right, so like that is not my job. Like no. as, as a fitness coach or a strength coach or a health coach or whatever you want to call me, like that is not my job. But I can sure as hell be like, okay, I need you to be conditioned yep and i need you to be strong enough to carry your load so cool we're gonna do some heavy back squats and then we might do a 200 meter run and 30 kettlebell swings and 60 double unders for a couple of rounds right and now i have all of the components we're getting strong with the squats yep we're, we're moving weight with a high heart rate so we're starting to get used to performing under load and then you add that high skill movement in a double under and it's not shooting, but it starts to transfer over. It starts to teach your body how to process those higher skill movements under load. And that is kind of the the big gap, I think, that coaches want to feel like. The coach wants to come in and be like, oh, you're this kind of athlete or, oh, this is what your job is and you want to get better at it. Like, it's not our job to be specific at that one thing. Our job is to give them the the foundation really yeah. more than anything else more than it is to make somebody uh better at better at their sport or yeah. better at their job, their job or yeah. whatever it is yeah that's that's really interesting too because like you know when i look at it now you know after having an understanding and the science backing the evidence backing of understanding like what energy systems are and what strength is and i look at that now and i have an individual or, or somebody especially when we look at the soft fleet stuff and how can I have this transfer over into their job? That is, like, that's the priority question that I always to ask myself when I'm writing programming, when I'm writing the programming, right? Like, that is it. How does this transfer over to their job? And we got to look at, okay, cool. Well, if I put this movement in here, does it have transferability? Does it have this? And granted, some movements won't, but they're just repaving the foundation sometimes. And we need to do that, right? We talked about that on the phone the other day. It was like brilliance in the basics. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the, the transferability piece is huge in, in all aspects, no matter, no matter what it is all the way. If I think in anything health related, whether it's, whether it's mindset stuff or nutrition or your actual, um, fitness or workout plan. And you just kind of brought up a really good point at the end. Like some of the stuff might not like specifically transfer over in the grand scheme of things, but it's like, if I have somebody doing a bunch of hip activation drills, like, yeah, like that's not going to make somebody like necessarily a better soldier. Like when you, when you look at it on a big picture, a big picture piece, but when you realize that those hip activation drills are going to make them be able to squat stronger or be able to run in a more stable position, like that's the transferability piece. Like transferability isn't like, Oh, you, carry a backpack all day long that's 60 pounds like cool let's put a backpack on your back and make you run for miles and then like like that probably is going to transfer worse because it's going to put you in fatigue and put you in a shit position and not allow people to actually train the movements and the muscle groups the way that they needed to be trained to be able to carry that 60 pound pack in a good position and actually build up the stamina yeah. for it long term yeah Sick, man. It's something that, you know, something that I'm really trying to really have people understand. Um, and, and it's just because of the fact that like I've, I've, I've started to understand and have a better grasp, grasp on that as a whole, right? Like, yes, I've been doing this going on nine years or over nine years, almost going on 10 years coming up soon. And it's funny how like it's taken that long to really look at that. And, and again, I've, I've lived a lot of different types of experiences in terms of like a tactical athlete, endurance athlete, crossfitter, weightlifter, like all those things, right. To really develop this contextual intelligence and understanding of what we're trying to do. And, and it's led me to transferability. And that's the reason why I like listening to other people who have been doing this and that mindset develop that same connection. Cause like you said, you understand that same thing. A lot of coaches don't look at it. I mean, I, I use a couple coaches that I've seen, 
who are coaching firefighters and doing all those things. And it's like, well, you've never been in a, in a position to be a firefighter first off. Right. Second, all you're doing to them is breaking them down when they shouldn't be broken down at all. Like our goals as fitness coaches or as strength conditioning coaches is to give them the tools so they can go into their job at a hundred percent. And if we're not doing that for them, then we're doing them a disservice. And that's what's happening. Right. We see that. Right. We just, and again, I've said this before, the athletes shouldn't be, tra- shouldn't be going through selection outside of selection. They should be training their system, their training, get their bodies ready for selection. That is it. Even for your job, for your life and the soccer mom that wants to go ahead and, and pick their kid up off the floor, right? Like that's the goal, right? If you came to me and be like, Hey, I want to just be okay with picking my kid off the floor without my back hurting. <laughs> The, the first question is like, and it's like, okay, cool. Well, the foundation, what is your foundation? And half the time there's no education behind that for them to understand that. Yeah, I think so going kind of touching on what you were just talking about, about not being, not like being in selection all the time, like not being in the, the not like trying to train, like it's game day every single day, like having, having the discipline to take the days off when you need a day off. Yeah. Um, I just did a podcast with McKeeley Jones, um, Olympic silver medalist um, triathlon and then multi-time Ironman winner. And she had a quote that was basically like, don't be a, tra- a champion trainer, be yeah. a champion racer. And like in that perspective, like training is training yeah. and like training should hurt and it should be hard, but you should train in a way that sets you up for success. And if that's, the military, like you need to be ready to go. And if you're getting beat down every single day and then you need to go and learn how to shoot and you can't shoot because you're so beat down, like was that training valuable yeah. or was it was invaluable? Yeah, like, like, exactly. Where, where, Where's where, the trade-off? What, what was the trade-off there? Um, and you look at people like we're, um, my wife and I are working with a girl that's a 2020 Olympic hopeful for a swimmer. And, we work with her based on what her her needs are every single day. Like I have sat down and tried to program weeks out in advance for her. And every time I do it, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this because it sucks. It doesn't work. Like there's because I need to know what her coach did with her that day or what she has coming up. So we just kind of go with the flow and listen to her body and listen to what she has to say. And we base our training off of that. And that's, that's the piece that is, is the art form of coaching, Yep. right? Like everybody's like, Oh, the program, the program, the program, and the program works to a certain extent. And if you have somebody that knows how to program, like you can get a lot out of it, but there's also a time where that program especially if it's a templated program is not going to work for everybody every single day. And I think that's one of the things. And one of the coolest things that I've learned coaching CrossFit is like the whole model is like everybody has the workout of the day, but the way that the workout of the day is really intended is like, okay, like here's the base, but this is how you feel today. So this is what your yeah. loading is going to be. This is what you have going on. Well, I want you to make sure that we squat to a ball and I want you to only do half reps and I want every rep to be perfect. And that is really what coaching is about versus programming. Like you have like a base idea of what needs to get done. Like my athletes, whether it's you trying to run 200 miles or somebody that's trying to swim a hundred meter butterfly or somebody that's trying to be a professional baseball player, like the base of the program is let's squat heavy. Let's pick heavy things up off the ground. Let's do some power movements, power clean box jump. And then let's do some accessory movements that set you up to be healthy long-term and be able to train as hard as you need to every single day. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about it. Right. And like, you know, one thing that, that I look at there is now we kind of look at when we talk about the Ironman, like the, you know, the chick from the Ironman, she's doing that. We look at that as in performance. And that's something we talked about pre-show as well was when do we make that switch from being a, like focusing on performance at competing at this high level as yourself into now living this life of retirement and actually just enjoy like now mountain biking and surfing. You know, one thing that I can tell you coming from that same transition in terms of a life or death situation, because 
mixed martial arts combat fighting, like let's just let's just be honest, is a, is a life or death type thing. And when you go into the ring, you know that. It's the same thing for the tactical athlete, LEO, firefighter, even soldier. When we go on deployments, that is a combat deployment. We know that there's a chance that I might not make it back. And when you have that mindset to come back to a place now where you're no longer needing to be in there, there's a shift that needs to be made so that you actually have a positive change. And, and I know a lot of people don't understand that positive change. It just creates this negative change of, of a loss of something. And we've talked about this before. Yeah, so I mean, uh, and for me, it's something that I, it's really still pretty fresh. I retired um, at the end of 2016. Um, we're the middle-ish of 2019. And it's probably one of the things that I struggle with more than anything else right now uh, as far as my nutrition to my workouts to like even took me a long time to get back to training martial arts again. So like when I was when I was training and I was fighting, everything revolved around the next fight i had i had like the end goal which is to be a world champion which i think any young kid that's fighting there that's what the dream is it was never about the paycheck for me if i was trying to make a whole bunch of money i wasn't fighting especially muay thai which is what um i fought most of the time there was no money there i wanted to be a world champion i wanted to have those experiences and being the best was all that mattered to me yeah so to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and put on my sweatsuit to go run and then come home, get ready for work and go coach classes and then put another hour training session in and then go home and eat broccoli and boiled chicken um, and count out my nine almonds and then take a nap and then get up and go train again for three hours and then come back and coach and then repeat and do that day after day after day for years. It was, I don't want to say it was easy, but it made sense. And, and the motivation was always there. And especially once fight camp came and I had a fight eight weeks out or six weeks out or four weeks out, or even if it was, I got a call and I was fighting in two weeks, I knew that there was somebody training to try to knock my head off. Yeah. And I wasn't going to let that happen. And it was always like, I'm going to train harder than the person that's going to be standing across from me. And by doing that, I'm going to have that edge over them knowing that I outworked them. Yeah. No matter what our skills are when we get in the ring, if I outwork that person in training, I'm going to be the better fighter that night. And I had a lot of success with it. I won a lot more than I lost. I had some tough fights and stuff happens. The fight game is a rough game, and uh, but it served me really well. And knowing what that work ethic did for me um, was huge, and it's something that I don't think I could have learned doing anything else in my life. And the downside is what comes after it. And... Um, one of the things that I talked about with a coach at the end of my career was like that once I retired that I wanted to really retire and that like once I finally made that decision that that was it and I wasn't going to be the guy that was like, oh, here's here's an offer to fight. You can make X amount of money. OK, cool. I'll fight again. And then you might win, but you might get knocked out. And that's the trend that most retired professional fighters have is they don't really know anything else in that that addiction of getting in the ring and that feeling that is not ever going to be found anywhere else. It's addictive. Yeah. And I've struggled since then to, in a sense, try to replace it. And I'm just yeah. coming to the terms with the fact that it's not a replaceable feeling and it's something that I have to accept. Yep. And so over the last two and a half years since I retired and made that decision to kind of walk away from that sport, I, was like, okay, I'll come back and I'll be able to train jujitsu and I'll be able to go in and just train to train. And I tried it for like a month and I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, And I walked away from everything completely. I don't think I did any martial arts really for almost two years. Um, I just started training jujitsu again, um, which has been a blast. I've been going in, uh, trying to get in two days a week um, just because I missed 
martial arts. I've been a martial artist for a long time. I trained martial arts when I was really young and it's what I've known my whole adult life. And it's part of who I am as a martial artist. So anyways, like over these two years, my training has been what I feel like has just been a mess and mediocre in some ways. Like when I train, like I'll train hard, but I don't, have any specific goal any any real specific goal there's no focus and um i raced um mountain bikes last year a bit and even training for those like i would train and i would push myself but there was nothing there that like gave me that motivation to go somebody's gonna kill me if i don't do this last sprint or if i don't push as hard as i can and fortunately from what i learned from fighting like i learned to like how to push but there was days where I wasn't willing to make the same sacrifice that I was when I was fighting. When I was fighting, it was so easy to sacrifice. Like literally I would put anything else on the back burner to make sure that I could fight. Not a good piece of advice for anybody out there because um, it'll put you in all sorts of trouble in, all, in different ways financially and all sorts of stuff. I used to sell surfboards when I didn't have fights come up to pay rent and um, was just living the life and kind of following my heart and following my passion. Um, But as far as like training now, like, yeah, I even getting ready for the mountain bike races, I would be like, okay, here's my plan for the week. And I would get it done. But if I had to go coach a class, I would be like, okay, well I can, only do this, this, and this, and I can skip this because my schedule got messed up, which I wouldn't have ever done for fighting. And at the same time, one of the things that it's helped me learn is balance, which I've never been good with in the past. And that balance is a really tough thing. And um, I probably struggle with it more than anything with nutrition and trying to be like, okay, well, how do I be strict and eat for My performance for, yeah. and for health, but at the same time, like not treat it like I have weigh-ins coming up. Um, so it's been a, it's been a really strange and weird balance as far as how my training schedule looks and kind of what my life looks like now um, to what it looked like while I was fighting. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say this: training at such a high performance has negative effects on you long term a hundred percent let's say that and the reason why i say that is because coming from this from the military background you know and, and and whatnot it took me almost six to seven years to really find that balance and you know you retired in 2016 it's 2019 you're maybe 2024 years later and you're sitting here saying that you still struggle with how you look at food yeah, I mean the the food thing is, and that's a huge thing. It's, I mean, it's and like, right, like so, like I preach every single day that nutrition is the foundation of all of your health and performance. Like anything that you want to do in life, like if your nutrition's not in place, like you're screwed. You're screwed. It's not going to be there. So for me, my people would laugh at me when I say that I feel like I've been so lax on my diet, but like you said, like coming from that far extreme end, like it feels so often it almost, I beat myself up about it. Like, Oh man, like I used to be able to be perfect and eat perfect for eight weeks at a time. And with no cheat meals, like not go out to dinner, like everything was perfectly weighed and measured. And I've had different bouts of being really strict over the last couple of years and experimenting with different things. But at the end of the day, I'm still trying to figure out like, like why? Yeah. Like, and trying to be okay with the fact that my health is, even though I know in my head it's more important than my fight career ever was, it doesn't feel like it. So when you go to set up your meals and you don't have that goal or that date set for when you have to weigh in or if that, fear of like, oh, this guy's going to try to kill me. Like there's just less reason, I guess. Um, so my wife has been really good and um, really supportive through the whole thing and helping me understand 
that health is a priority and she gives me a hard time and tells me that I need to be able to surf when I'm 75 years old with her and all that kind of stuff. So having, having the sports outside of it. And, um, I would say a hundred percent because of what my job is and because of the reputation that I've kind of developed for myself, that that alone has given me the motivation and kind of inspiration to not ever do what most retired athletes do. And that's just let themselves go completely. Um, I just will never be that person. Like I know that my health is more important than that, but at the same time, like one of the things like on those moments where I'm like, Oh, well I could just not work out today. I'm like, well, how, what kind of example am I, am I setting for the people that follow me? Yeah. And that's, that's, that's really interesting too, because you know, one thing I have done now and, and you've, you probably see it's like, I've learned this. Everyone talks about accountability and how they should have accountability for themselves. Well, guess what? It only goes a certain distance. I'll tell you that right now. Something I learned from me getting out of the military to me running my own gym to doing all those things and being full-time with Softlead and getting to do what I get to do. I'm super grateful for it and it's really fucking cool. But what I've had to learn was that I can't always hold myself accountable. That I need someone else to hold me accountable. So for example, like coming to you and be like, hey man, you know, I realistically, I could do this. I could write my own strength programming and do all that stuff. And I have help from other people that, you know, I need to, but it's like, hey man, like, let's just work together. I come training here. You see me all the time. Let's just play. Let's, let's, but the reason, the main reason I do it is because it holds me accountable to help me reach towards my goal. The same exact reason why, like, I check up on individual athletes or I check on on my on the athletes on the Softlead app, right? Or we when I get emails and we check those because I have learned and understand that I need to hold other people accountable just as they hold me accountable. And that's how we end up seeing success across the board, just like the way your wife is by holding you accountable, being like, look, hey, you don't you don't have to eat this way anymore, but you can eat this way in terms of health. And now we look at it and be like, oh crap, that's right. She just made she just made me understand this even better and she's holding me accountable and I have to hold myself accountable towards her. Yeah, so I mean it's the the whole the accountability thing is is huge and I've I was so guilty for so long of only looking at short term like I really like my performance was all that mattered to me and the longevity other than the longevity in my career didn't matter. Like, so I wasn't concerned about necessarily the quality of my food. I was concerned about the quantity and about making sure that I was making weight and I was getting enough to support what it was that I needed to do every day. And that's been kind of one of the shifts is like understanding that even though I feel like the, because the quantities aren't perfect like they used to be, but the quality is so yep. much better of what I'm eating and how I'm eating. It still doesn't feel like I'm being as strict and I'm trying to kind of make that switch um, mentally in the, in the accountability piece, like with my wife, um, she's so good about it for me um, working with you and then me being accountable to all of my clients, right? Like that's one of the things that I've always preached is that you need to lead by example. So I went from one far extreme to trying to kind of push myself back into like the, the normal life. Right. And to me, normal is, was fighting. And now I'm trying to find this new thing where, oh, the waves are good today. I'm going to go surf instead of work out because that's really what I want to do. Or, oh, I'm going to go ride my bike because the weather's good and it just rained and the dirt's really nice. Like I'm gonna, I can skip my workout and finding, finding that happy medium in there and then eating in a way that it's like, okay, I'm going to eat really good quality foods and not really worry so much about the portions. And now all of a sudden I have starting to shift that focus to, okay, well, what can I do when I'm 70 years old? What can I do when I'm 75 years old? And my wife's dad is 71 or 72 and he still gets out and surfs and surfs really well. And like, I'm like, okay, well I'm not fighting anymore. And like there is, there was no way I was going to fight until I was 70 years old. (laughs) Like I didn't even want to fight past 40. So like my kind of in my in line was 40 years old. I didn't care what happened after that. 
uh, now that I'm past that point in my life, like it's like, okay, like starting to look at what life should look like. And we talk about quality of life all the time. Yeah. Really like that is what we're doing in the, in the health and fitness industry is getting people an opportunity to live the longest, best life that they can. Yep. Um, yes. It's fun to work with high level athletes that have performance specific goals, but the amount of people, especially that I'm working with, it's so small. Like most yep. people, just want to not have to be helped up off the toilet at Ex- 75 yeah. years old and not end up in the nursing home and to be able to play with their grandkids and all of that kind of stuff. And that's, that's what I'm working with. And now I'm starting to look at my life in that way versus like, okay, well, what's the next competition? Um, I still miss it. I'll miss it every single day, but it would be really cool to be able to surf at 75, 80 years old and be able to surf well. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. I know, for instance, like when I got out of the military, I, in the, what I what we call it, at least I call it, it's called chasing the dragon. <laughs> like we came from a combat, you know, deployments to where it was literally kinetic 24-7 during that time in Afghanistan, coming back to this life of not doing that, but now becoming an instructor at the schoolhouse and running students through like crazy and living that high. And like even at that time period, I still had to perform because you had to gain the respect of the students. So like it was a positive aspect. And then when I, when, when I looked at getting out, right, when we came, I started chasing the dragon towards, oh, I want to be a competitive CrossFit level athlete, like a high competitive athlete and chase that for a while. And then that was, oh, that wasn't giving me what I wanted. Let me go chase it somewhere else and started chasing it and weightlifting and doing those things. And all those experiences to where I'm at today in terms of, you know, chasing the goal of, of, of a 200 mile race. Like I'm not chasing the dragon no longer. Like I can sit here and say that I'm the healthiest I've been in the past 15 years by just training with intention of longevity and health and wellness, right? Like someone I posted today, you know, me doing front squats or whatever else. And someone goes, well, running 200 miles is not healthy. And I go, well, to a certain extent, it's not healthy, but if you can approach it in a smart manner, you can. And I haven't said this, I think I said this, I haven't said this before, but I've been looking at that Tahoe 200 as a goal since November of 2017. I have literally been looking at that since then. And everything since to now has been a stepping stone to lead me there. Learning about sleep, learning about how to do things, how to cater to myself to have this high quality of life. And that has been the biggest switch is like, don't use my athletic endeavors as the reason why I want to get better. No, use everything else that I'm doing to help me achieve that goal. So when I'm done achieving that goal and if I potentially do achieve that goal and I'm going to, like that's my mindset, I'm done with it afterwards, I can now keep walking and moving forward in a healthy manner compared to the previous times where I got out from doing something and I walked away. I experienced that last year after my Kodiak 100 race. Like my bosses can tell you, like they can tell you. I remember having conversations with them where I was just completely like, I went through such a huge dramatic change that now no longer training, I started having these ideas and trying to work things out and like just was in a really weird state and I had to realize that, yo, this doesn't dictate my life, right? Like that doesn't dictate my life at all. And that is cool to be able to see you now in the in the aspect of coming up on three years total of being retired now, you're finally getting that understanding of like, no, like, I don't need to chase it. I, it's a it's a part of my experience. It's who I am because of it. I don't need to replicate it. What I can do though is take those experiences and create a new chapter in my life like you're talking about. I want to continue building myself to be able to surf at the age of 70, 75. Yeah, so and I think one of the things that you just hit on um, that was really good and kind of really key is the fact that what you are doing doing right now and the way that you're training is focused on long-term health like yeah you're gonna go and run 200 miles which is extreme it's an extreme feat (laughs) yes but you aren't doing it in a way where you're training for it is deteriorating your long-term health exactly yes And, and i think that's that's the big difference and i know that for me like that's a huge challenge to to be okay with that right like fighting the way that i trained and 
I feel like the only way to train if you are going to be a professional fighter and really a professional athlete in any way is like you're going to sacrifice a, a lot of long term health. Um, I think especially specialists in the military are going to experience the exact same thing where like you have a job to do and that job has some really extreme consequences. consequences. So the training is going to be extreme and you're probably going to take some years off your life or at least off of your joints um, through the process. And if you have accepted that, then you've accepted that as a, as a fighter, like you get in the ring and like, you know that like you could get hit in the head and you could die or you could be brain damaged. And that's a consequence that you accept along the way. And what you're doing right now. And I think what kind of started this whole conversation is like, how do you, how do you transfer from that chasing the dragon lifestyle yeah to the shift of where we're now chasing longevity yeah to to find to write the that word balance coming back again and like like how do you how do you go back there and i think a finding those things that are really important to you like what is going to improve my quality of life and what's going to improve my quality of life isn't going to be the same no. as everybody else but finding those things and making them habit and making them your new routine and um, the way that I'm training right now, the way that I'm participating in the sports that I'm choosing to do, surfing, jujitsu, and then riding my bike, like I'm learning to be okay with the fact that I don't need to ride my bike for four hours every single day and that every workout that I do doesn't need to be like, okay, how can I get better at riding my bike? It's like, okay, like how can I make it? So my hips last for another 30 years or whatever, how can I make it? So my shoulders are healthier instead of the opposite approach, which is how can I be better at this sport? And I'm going to do whatever it takes to To be be the best. Yeah. And, and I will be real honest and tell you that, I'm probably not done with that. There's probably going to be something that comes up where whether I jump in and do a jujitsu tournament or I jump in and do another bike race, like I'm way too competitive to to not. But I think some of the things that I'm learning along the way will definitely help me do it in a healthier way. Exactly. Um, versus the I don't really give a shit about what happens to me as long as I perform at the top level. Yeah, so let's talk a little about that too, dude, because, you know, I got a question asked about that because I remember I posted, like, I'm no longer chasing numbers on the bar, I'm now chasing whatever else, and someone talked about, like, how do you make that shift from being at this high-performing aspect or chasing numbers to now living longevity, and you mentioned it too, what was really cool was the fact that I still will jump into a jiu-jitsu competition, I still want to race my bike and do all these things, but the new mindset now is no longer like, I want to go and take this head, this person's head off or I want to win this race. I'm actually doing it now because I enjoy it and it's aiding in longevity towards what I want to do, right? Like I look at that same way with running 200 miles. Like running 200 miles isn't just about running. I'm learning that, right? You need to do strength work. You need to be recovery. You need to be on the bike. You need to do a whole bunch of things. Again, it's a three days of movement, right? And we keep talking about that and the same thing in terms of that. But what I what I've really learned and enjoyed from all of that is the fact that I can take this micro goal that I'm utilizing right now, right? And it's gonna promote long-term results down the road in a positive manner. And I think that's where a lot of people don't look at it from that aspect. They're like, oh, I want to train this this race for this race. And when I train for this race, that's it. No, like, no, 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 no. Like that was just another piece or another stepping stone to providing an aiding to your life, right? Yeah, so um, I've been listening and reading a lot of Joshua Medcalf's, Medcalf stuff. Um, he wrote Chop Wood, Carry Water. Yep. He's got a bunch of other books. He's got some really cool stuff, and he's not really saying anything that hasn't been said. He's just doing it in a really simple way. And the same thing with us. We're not saying anything new. Right, yeah. So, um, And one of the things that he talks about a lot is, A, like not being so focused on your goals. He actually has a book um, that I'm reading right now called burn your goals. Uh, and basically about like enjoying the process and kind of being, being in the moment through it all. And then the other piece of it is that except like not identifying yourself as what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And I told everybody for years, I'm a fighter. 
Like that's what I was. And that's part of why that shift is so hard. And I think for everybody that's retiring from anything, I'm a baseball player, I'm a basketball player. Like, like even if you were an athlete, like there's a point in time where like, you're no longer going to be able to do that. So, so then what, and what do you do? Yeah. So people that are listening that are going through the same thing or whether you're a Navy SEAL or um, special forces, any sort, if, instead of identifying yourself as that, like find out who you really are. Like, I love that. Who are you? Like what makes you tick? Right. For me, I loved fighting. I love the competition part of it. And I'm in the personality sense. I'm definitely a fighter that, like if something happens, like I'm going to fight to get what I need to, but I'm not a fighter in the sense like that I get in the ring and fight. Yeah. Like that's something that I did. So understanding like, okay, like I, I love to compete and I love to challenge myself to be the best that I can be like that. Those are the things that make me who I am. Fighting was just a part of that. Yeah. So now like transferring to what I'm doing now where I'm refocused on coaching and refocused on kind of spreading a message and putting myself out there to reach as many people as possible. That is challenging in the same ways. Like I'm still trying to be the best. Like there's a video that CrossFit did years ago and it basically at the very end of it, it's me talking about how I wanted to be the best coach in the world. And it wasn't in a way like, ah, everybody else sucks. Like I'm the best. It was like, I want to challenge myself to always be the best that I can be. Yeah. And finding that in kind of all the reading and all of the listening and the people that I've talked to is what has probably helped me find that realization and understand that, you know, like I, I am more than a fighter. I am more than a CrossFitter. I am more than whatever. And that's, that's where that's where I'm at right now, I guess. That's it's funny you say that because that's actually I had to go through that as well, right? Like I got out of the military and I was Sergeant Briones, reconnaissance marine, reconnaissance communicator, Sergeant Briones. Got out. Oh, now I'm a full time CrossFitter. Oh, now I'm a full time weightlifter. And it's funny is like we'll just talk about about social media real quick, just because it's. But if you go and look at individuals who have labeled themselves around that goal. You see it, oh, ultra runner, or I am a CrossFit regional level athlete, or I am a weightlifting national level champion, and we get tied up in those things. And I think some of the most successful individuals in the game of chasing their dreams don't tie themselves to what they're chasing, right? They have a real good understanding of who they really are. And I'm going to tell you, it's taken multiple years of trial and error to finally realize that now, like I don't sit here and sit here and tell you, Hey guys, I'm George, the ultra runner. Like that's not the thing because that's not who I am. I just utilize ultra running as a hobby to go ahead and enjoy my life and enjoy what my body can do. If that leads me to doing some really rad shit and that leads me to meeting some really rad people and having conversations like that, then I think I'm hitting the mark compared to me sitting there being like, no, I'm the ultra runner or no Casey, the pro fighter. Like, because once those things happen, there's a switch that happens from people wanting to learn from you and you now can't educate somebody. And I've been there and you've been there. We've, we known that we talked about on your, on your podcast, right? We, how I met you, you know, and, and all those things. And if you want to listen to that podcast, head over to stick, stick to the program podcast and listen to that one. It was a really good one. But that is the thing though, right? Is we have the understanding now and you're getting into it and knowing that, Hey, that's not my title. I'm Casey. Like, yeah, I think, and I think the big big piece is just not getting caught up in what everybody else expects of you and kind of letting go of expectations, um, whether it's your own expectations or the expectations from everybody else. Uh, for years growing up, I was always, I was the youngest of four boys. I was always small growing up. I started lifting weights. Um, so when, when I started fighting, there was like this, this respect and kind of this way that people looked at me and it was different, right? It's something different and you you can start to identify with that and it's like, yeah, like I'm a fighter and it feels good and it goes on and all of a sudden it just becomes who you are. Who you are. And once you're not that anymore, 
then then you're going to get lost. Like yeah. with without a doubt, you will get lost. It doesn't matter if you're a firefighter, if you're a police officer, if you're a CrossFit coach, if you're a teacher, like once you retire, once that is taken away, like what do you have left? Yeah. And I really strongly believe that everybody is a lot more than than that title. But if you personally don't believe that you are, then you're fucked. Yeah. Like to put it real simply. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure everyone's like, man, why are you guys talking so deep about life and everything? And it's because the fact of fitness can fuck you up. Uh, yes. And I, and <laughs> like, I, it's true. Fitness or chasing your goals in some kind of fitness endeavor can really screw your life up if you don't know how to fix it. Yeah. And I think so bringing it back like to full circle to fitness and training and where we're at in this world, like everybody's can be whatever they want. They can post something on social media and they can put up this image of exactly who they want to be. But if it's not really who you are, like you're, you're going to set yourself up for failure at, yeah. at some point you're going to spiral back down. So as a coach, I can sit here and teach somebody to squat and deadlift and clean and snatch and do all the most technical things. And I can teach them how to be really, really strong and give them all the tools that they need to get to whatever those fitness goals are. But along the way, if I'm not teaching them about life and giving them lessons that are way more important than being physically strong or being physically good at a certain movement, and I'm not giving them tools to improve their quality of life long term. Like, yeah, like being able to squat is important. And if I have an athlete that can squat 400 pounds in perfect position, I'm probably not worried about them ending up in the nursing home because they can't move. But if they're so fixated on chasing that 400 pound squat and then the 500 pound squat and then the 600 pound squat, and that's all that matters to them, they're going to end up maybe not in a nursing home, but maybe in a men mental institute because, <laughs> because they haven't been able to cope with what life really is. And, and those are the pieces where like, like fitness is great and it's a great opportunity to get people to push outside of their comfort zone and to learn about themselves. And that's, yeah. that's what training really is to me. And that's um, what I really try to push inside these four walls. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, I'm going to leave it at that, dude. Like you hit it on the head and, I really can't add any more to it due to the fact that it's true, right? It, it, at the end of the day, that is true. Like if you're coming into the gym and your main goal is to squat 500 pounds, that's cool. Like that's awesome. But let's go ahead and educate you on how to live life outside of it so that it aids in you reaching this goal. So once you do hit 500, you're not feeling lost after hitting it, right? Like, and it's okay to be, I'm going to say this, it's okay to be lost. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think part of it is like for both of us and for any, any good coach, right? we've probably all experienced a whole bunch of shit. And, yeah. and if I've experienced something and by me passing that knowledge on to somebody else can help them not experience that or to take that experience and turn it into a positive way faster than I was able to, then, then I'm doing my job. Otherwise, like yeah. I'm just kind of setting people up to have the same failures that I had. Like why? Like, isn't yeah. that like the whole point of being able to communicate with people? Yeah. So realistically, man, we can both agree to this. Then the shift from that idea of chasing the dragon to living longevity and utilizing that is actually a lot longer process than what people actually are ready to handle. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a long term commitment. Like I think that it's something that I will probably struggle with the rest of my the, life. The rest of my life. Yeah, completely. It's gonna be something where like I always look back on those years of fighting and it's always gonna be like man, I was in such good shape when I got ready for this fight. I'm going to have those memories and like, ah, oh man, like I trained so hard and I ate like this or I did this and I did that. But if I can just remember like all the other cool shit that I'm going to be able to do because I'm not fighting anymore, yeah. like it, it, it starts to less lessen that blow, I guess. Yeah. Word, man. Well, dude, appreciate you coming on the podcast with me, man. It was awesome. We we might have to do another one depending on on the time and effort we have on this, but I, I think we should do another one for sure. Um if they need to reach you, where can they reach you? I know Instagram is uh, a big thing for you. Yeah, just uh Casey Parlett, um C A S E Y P A R L E T T uh on Instagram and then the podcast stick to the program underscore PC 
Um, and then you can check the podcast out on um, iTunes. And then website right now is caseyandnat.com. Cool, man. Can you elaborate a little bit on that Stick to the Program podcast real fast? Just I know uh, you're doing really cool stuff on there. So Yeah, so the Stick to the Program podcast is focused around people and kind of the idea of like how you can be successful in life but still make health a priority. And it's something okay. that gets lost so much. And um, I've heard for so many years, like, oh, well, the only reason you're so fit is because you're in a gym all day. And there's there's so many people out there that do such a good job of being successful in business at home with their families. And then they still make their health a priority, whether it's with their nutrition, uh, whether it's with their workouts, whether and hobbies and all that kind of stuff. And that's the type of people that we're talking to. And um, typically the conversations that go on on there. Sick. Thanks, Casey. Thank you, George. Appreciate it. Hey, till next time, guys, check us out at softly.com. If you haven't checked out any of our training programs, head over to uh, train.softly.com and look at our packages that we do have. Um, if you have any questions, you know how to reach me either via email at george at softly.com or you can catch me on Instagram at coach underscore GB3. Thanks guys. Have a good one.